Well, good afternoon, everyone. Okay, so this side is here. Good afternoon, this side. Good afternoon, this side. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Um, so how did we get on with our homework last week? Uh, remember, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, we were to substitute uh, our name for the word love. So, uh, so Alex is patient. Uh, Alex is kind. Alex does not envy. Alex does not boast. Alex is not proud. Alex does not dishonor others. Alex is not self-seeking and is not easily angered. So uh, my kids were smiling at this point in the earlier service um, as I inserted my name. And I changed, I didn't put Alex, I put dad. Dad is not easily angered. Dad is patient. So yeah, there were some, some smiles coming through as, uh, as they know me uh, and as I know them too. Um, but as you know yourself and you put your name in that passage, uh, how were you feeling? Maybe you were feeling like me last week. as like, woo, Drew, who's sitting at the back over there, uh, hit home. The point hit home. Um, so I decided this week to try and follow up, uh, not with giving us more pain, but inviting you into my pain. So uh, we looked at um, John 19, the, the scripture reading, but um, I'm calling this, this message, A Love That Transforms. We're going back to the cross, as we, uh, as we saw. It's usually uh, uh, Easter Sunday, or Good Friday, or uh, message, uh, or passage that we look at. But this is the central, uh, the central point in history. Everything before it leading up to this moment, everything after it impacted by this moment, this king of love crucified uh, for us. So we're going to be looking a little bit about the kingship um, of God. But first, a love that transforms. So if we go to the, the next, next slide, please. You'll see on the Hope Midtown website, and it's sometimes referred to in our, uh, in, from the front here as, as we introduce things, is that hope exists to lead people into a transforming relationship with Jesus and community. So I don't know if this is your first time here. If it is, welcome. If it's your second time, welcome again. And if you've been here for uh, ages, you're probably welcoming me because I've only been here for, uh, for the last year or so. But I have found that this community draws alongside you. We'll be there for you. We'll pray for you. We'll encourage you. We'll help you on that transformational journey as Jesus impacts our life week after week and day after day. Um, I would encourage you, if you're not already, to be part of a small group. I'm part of a small group. We get together every week in between services. And, uh, you know, we pray for each other. We discuss things. We take uh, the learnings from the sermon and how to apply them to our life. Um, and then week by week, you know, we get to know each other deeper. We get to see what God's done in our lives. We talk about our life stories and uh, just... When you look back and you see that transforming journey of what God has been doing uh, in our lives. So that reminds me, I've still to share my life story with, uh, with the home group. I'm looking at Ed and Myra. So we're going to be going into uh, this, um, this journey, a love that transforms. Next slide, please. So love is the only thing 
that transforms the human heart. So this is a quote from the Center uh, of Action and Contemplation, or for Action and Contemplation. Drew Jackson from East Village. Anybody know Drew Jackson from East Village? So he's now working for Center for Action and, and Contemplation. And um, I get the newsletter. It's freely available. Plug. Um, but this came through uh, not that long ago, and I thought it was relevant for this as I was thinking about transformation. This, this thing that we say on the website, this thing that we experience uh, as we click into our home groups, what is the motivation? What is the driver for this transformational journey? And uh, it's love. Love is the only thing that transforms the human heart. You know, I, I, mentioned, uh, I mentioned earlier this, this, this movie, As Good As It Gets. Everybody seen As Good As It Gets? No? Maybe? Maybe Jack Nicholson is basically playing a character with uh, excessive OCD. Excessive to the extent, you know, he won't walk on cracks, on the roads. Um, uh, he, he won't take pills because he's paranoid about the pills. Um, even though he's advised to take the pills. Anyway, there's this, um, this lady that comes into his life who is accepting him for where he's at, but not wanting to leave him there, wanting to see him change. Um, and there's this moment in the movie where he's just said something terrible to her at a dinner table, and she says, if you don't tell me, if you don't give me a compliment right now, I'm getting up and I'm walking out of here. Awkward, awkward. And, um, and so Jack Nicholson says, or the character says, um, I've taken my pills. She said, you have to do better than that. Taking your pills really seriously? She said, no, you don't understand. I hate pills, I hate pills. But in taking the pills, it's a sign that you make me want to be a better man. That drive, that, that love that came into his life is driving change. Uh, that's a film example, um, but it's also uh, an example that we experience all the time as love comes into our life, as love impacts us, as love begins to change us, we get transformation or see transformation. So transformation is not uh, a one and done, as the next slide is, is indicating. Transformation is a journey. We're all on the journey. Everyone on the journey? Hands up. We're all on the journey. We're all in it together. Um, in the middle of the Bible, or near the middle of the Bible, we have this lovely song of songs, this book of, of romance, erotic at times, so this is not the early service, I can, I can say that word. Um, but passionate, definitely. But as we look at this book in a little bit of detail, um, we're not pre I'm not uh, talking to this today, but we see an evolution in the, in the love language that's used by uh, the beloved and the lover. So the beloved is saying at the beginning, my lover is mine and I am his. You know, when we first have that Jesus encounter, you know, Jesus is mine, Jesus is mine. Or even, as I was talking to Myra during the, uh, during the break, sometimes when we're in a panic, we just revert back to that, Jesus is mine, Jesus, I need you, God, I need you now. Jesus, it's less about I am yours, but more about you're mine. I need you, God. I need you to show up. I need you now. 
But as love evolves and relationship deepens, it moves to I am my lover's and my lover is mine. It's flipped. I am more dependent on the love that I'm receiving and I'm giving back. I am my lover's. I'm giving over to my lover. And then as it evolves, as we get from chapter 2 to chapter 6 to chapter 7 in this, in this short book, we see that I belong to my lover. Um, I suppose my transformational journey began when I was about nine years old. So um, on the testimony of my mother, uh, in my bed at home, I, uh, I gave my life to Jesus. But it was probably another 15 years or so before I moved from my lover is mine, Jesus is mine, to I am Jesus's. I am Jesus. I am Jesus's. And Jesus is mine, of course, but I am first and foremost uh, foremost Jesus's. I think one of the transformational points that happened for me was an encounter with a pastor called Willie French. So uh, a guy from Zimbabwe who was in a small church in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the English Channel, with a congregation of about 30 people who was faithfully just preaching God's word morning and night, morning and night, for years and years and years. Um, and I turned up on the first Sunday that I went to that church after moving, uh, moving there for work. And uh, within five minutes, he was inviting me to his, to his home for lunch. Not just one and done, but inviting me into his family again and again every single Sunday until the moment he, he left the island. I, was, uh, I became part of his family Morning and evening on a Sunday, during the week, I would get invites, meal after meal, time after time. I saw this love poured out, this example of unmerited love, undeserved, definitely. I didn't know him. He didn't know me from Adam. But just showing Jesus' love on a very practical basis, week after week after week. And I, that transformed me from uh, Jesus' mind to I am Jesus as I try to reflect some of what I was seeing displayed, displayed to me. Feeling unconditional love has a way of arresting your senses. Maybe you need to uh, have uh, an encounter like that. Maybe you need someone like Willie French in your life. Maybe coming here is the catalyst to that. Maybe joining a small group is the catalyst to receiving and seeing and being able to demonstrate that uh, unconditional love. So as the love that transforms, we're going to look at uh, love in three ways. So the shape of love, the speed of love, and the call of love. Um, so firstly, on to the shape of love. So next slide, please. So this is uh, the party leaflet for Bilbao. So uh, with uh, some of my family, I was on vacation in Spain this summer. We had a great time. I had three weeks off. Unbelievable, but true. Three weeks off, not checking emails from my work. Um, but the shape, uh, the shape of love as it was displayed in Bilbao was this love heart, this love heart sign. Everybody do the love heart sign? Have you, have you saw, have you saw, do you do it on a, on a, is, is this the first time you've done it or do you do it regularly? 
So I've taken on doing it, this, this love heart, and we do the little bounce thing, you know, just to, uh, to show that our heart is, 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 is pounding. Um, but it's not, um, it's not that cool. Uh, Eva's sitting over there, she's like shaking her head, it's not that cool, not that cool. But it's not the only not cool thing that I do. Huh? So uh, I do uh, dad dancing. I'm not going to do it here, don't worry. I do dad dancing. So during COVID, with two of my children, we would play uh, ping pong quite a lot. Um, but with Eve, there was always the challenge for the dance-off. If you've seen Starsky and Hutch, there's this famous scene in the middle of the movie where Ben Stiller is, has the lasso going and he's looping someone in and pulling them in in a, in a daddy dance. So anyway, the challenge is always there for Eve, but um, you know, I've yet to be taken up on the challenge and to demonstrate my, my dancing skills. But anyway, this, this is the shape that we're being uh, given. Uh, we, we see it in the, in the Women's World Cup as people scored goals and ran to the camera doing the, the, the love heart. We do it in our home with the bouncing heart. It's a way of uh, saying, I love it, I love it, I love it. So that's one of the shapes that we get given to us. I mean, there's lots of shapes that we see love demonstrated or shown to us by the world, but that's one of them. The second, if we click onto it, is, this is a message for you, lots of love, Alex, cross, 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 cross. So uh, when you're sending your Christmas cards, that's a bit early for Christmas, but, you know, um, do you put a little cross on it? When you do a birthday card, do you put a little cross at the end? Um, yes, just me, just me, then just me. Um, but actually, the X on these, uh, at the end of cards, didn't used to mean that. It used to mean, I affirm this document. When you go back to the Middle Ages, so in illiterate uh, Europe, uh, some scribes would scribe the document that you would attest to, and you would basically sign with an X, because we did, they didn't have signatures, they weren't used to writing, they weren't able to write. And that was a way of attesting to or affirming the document. Now, over time, moving from the Middle Ages, by the time we get to the 1800s, that's changed, and it becomes more a sign of affection that's put on love letters or uh, begins to come into poetry, etc. So you, uh, you see a, a transition in the way that the, uh, the X is used at the end. And it's quite good that people can read and write now and can sign their own name instead of just putting an X. Um, but it's another way of demonstrating or seeing just how affection is represented uh, in our society and every day. So much so, if we click on to the next slide. This is a gift that I gave to Jackie uh, for her birthday. I mentioned the number earlier and I felt bad about mentioning the number. So, so it was a round number. Uh, this, was about f this was about four years ago, so that gives you uh, an idea of, of <laughs> Jackie's age. <laughs> She's going... <gasps> Anyway, 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 I'll get into trouble for that later. Um, so this, this is really just picking up on that point, this XXX, as we uh, try to show affection, as we show or demonstrate uh, using societal cues, uh, just how much a person uh, means to us. And as I mentioned in the, in the last message as well, it's like if you get bored with this, the way that it's looked, you can just turn it on its side and it, you get another, I get a different view every, every three to six months. But I want to look at the shape of love as we see it uh, described to us in uh, scripture. I want to bring us 
unusually at this time of year, but want to bring us back to the cross, want to bring us back to the real shape of love, want to bring us back to agape love, this poured out love, this uh, other-oriented love, this self-sacrificial love um, for those who don't deserve it. The cross, that's the shape that we have to carry uh, for love. So previously in John, just like you would have in those American sitcoms or movies or uh, series, previously in John. So here we have, uh, basically I wanted to say here is like a lot's going on in John, but John is really driving us to this moment. I mean, a lot of John is like, my hour has not yet come, or my hour is getting closer. Um, we get the high Christology uh, section at the beginning of God stepping into our reality, becoming in, incarnate in flesh, and moving into our neighborhood, as the message says. And then walking around, choosing his uh, disciples, and starting his ministry. So we have the signs, the seven signs. We have the I am statements as, as Jesus describes who he is. Uh, and we also have like John the Baptist decreasing and Jesus increasing um, as, as Jesus' ministry uh, takes off. And then we have a section of about four or five chapters in John where it's the upper room where Jesus is praying with his disciples Jesus is giving instructions to his disciples. And uh, most importantly and more touchingly, actually, Jesus is serving his disciples. Like, he knows what's coming. His hour has come. His hour has come. He knows it. He's going to be transitioning from uh, the table to the garden, to the courtyard, to the judgment, and then to the cross. So, that's the trajectory. He knows it's coming, and he's in command of the situation. As we read John's account of the crucifixion, we see Jesus in command of the situation. So let's uh, skip to the account then. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, and with him two others. One on each side and Jesus in the middle. Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross. It read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city. And the sign was written in Aramaic, Latin and Greek. The chief priests of the Jews protested to Pilate, do not write king of the Jews, but that this man claimed to be king of the Jews. Pilate answered, what I have written... I have written. So as you'll see here, there's the, we don't have the same detail that we had in the, uh, in the other Gospels, um, especially when carrying the cross. So instead of like Simon of Cyrene coming in to help Jesus carry the cross, it's like we're not distracted by those details in John's account of the, uh, of the Gospel. Also, the crucifixion scene is very, uh, very small actually in terms of like the actual crucifixion or the nailing of Jesus to the uh, to the cross and there's no real interaction with or description of the, uh, the the other people being crucified there's no conversation John keeps the focus on Jesus 
on Jesus purely, being crucified. But we get a lot of detail about Jesus being king, king of the Jews, written in the three languages that are in the text. When I spoke in the first service, I choked up at this point. I lost my track. I froze. I put myself basically at the center of of what was going on here. But actually, Jesus is at the center of what's going on here. This is the most important point in history, but also today. Like we, I say we, in the UK, we had a king who was uh, coronated uh, this year. There were millions of people, millions of people, all got the day off, apart from me. I was working in the US, I didn't get the day off. But I get Labor Day off tomorrow, so that's fine, that's fine. But um, yeah, there were millions of people, this pomp and circumstance, this coronation, special crowns, special robes, special sticks, special services, special this, special that, special people speaking, etc., etc., etc. This coronation, the coronation that changed history, no pomp and circumstance. Coronation with a crown of thorns. Coronation that shows what God is really like. Not on a big throne somewhere, unreachable, behind gates that are guarded by people with big hats. But a God who walks into your neighborhood, a God who is king of the universe, a God who is crowned with suffering and agony, and a God who opens up his hands to us in welcome. That's the cross. That's the sign of love. That's the shape of love for us. That's the shape that John is emphasizing here, this king of love, this king stepped out of eternity and into our reality. For everyone to see the universality of having it in the languages that were spoken at the time so that everyone was aware of this kingship being crucified. So this is how we know what love is. Next slide, please. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Not in John, but in 1 John 3, uh, 16. You know, I think if if I have a memory verse to take to the grave, I think this will be it. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. There's nothing left for us than to pick up that passage in 1 Corinthians that, that Drew was talking about and try and imitate this love, try and imitate Jesus who walked the talk, he showed the way, he is the truth, and in him we can have life abundant. So God pursues, God pursued us, but continues to pursue us. He wants, not in the dance-off version, but he wants to, uh, wants to pull you in, but only when you're willing to come closer to him. Draw close to me and I'll draw close to you. God wants to draw you in. God pursues us as we sang about. 
Out of love, he poured himself out. And uh, there's lots of we can say about atonement theories or uh, why God had to die on the cross. But what it is, is God absolutely demonstrating his love for us. This is what God's like. God's willing to suffer in our place. God's willing to suffer, take on the suffering of the world. God's willing to experience the effects of sin. God's willing to, uh, to be the scapegoat for us. God's willing to be the sacrifice for us. There are so many themes that are picked up in the, in the, in the New Testament regarding what's actually going on in the cross. But the foundation for the whole thing is love. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. Suppose that was the main thing, theme that I wanted to, uh, to bring out today is like we have lots of shapes coming at us all the time. Um, but I just wanted to bring, when you see the heart or when you see the, the cross on a card or whatever, um, also reflect on the shape of real love, this agape love that is demonstrated for us. Okay, next slide, please. So, on the cross, Jesus has just been crowned, just been nailed, arms open, suffering, but he's still demonstrating love. Still demonstrating and looking out for, in this case, his mother, woman, here is your son. Uh, and to the disciple, here is your mother. Still, even in this moment, showing, John is showing that Jesus is in command of what's going on. Crucified as king, front and center of what's going on. We'll see in a minute in the next bit. But also looking out and, and, and almost instructing from, from the cross that we should look out for one another. That we should be there for one another. It's back to what Drew was saying uh, last week. Uh, you know, love God and love one another. Here it is being demonstrated on the cross as Jesus is still kind of giving instructions and, and uh, ensuring that love uh, flows out from the cross. And then another example of it, Jesus being in command, is the fact that Jesus then says, or is it the, the account then says, later knowing that everything had been finished and so that scripture would be fulfilled, Jesus said, I am thirsty. When he had received the drink, Jesus said, it is finished. And with that, he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. John's account of the, of the cross uh, really does bring home this coronation, this suffering uh, king of the universe, pouring out love, but also he knew what he had stepped into. He knew uh, when everything had been accomplished and he knew when it was finished and uh, gave up his spirit and bowed his head. So that led me to reflect on the next slide, which is um, a shortened version of a poem that I wrote uh, a few years ago, but it's called Kenosis, which is basically just pouring out. Kenosis, thou art. So, and I come again, and I come often to this point. I come again. How many times I turn to the one who loves. I'm hoping that I turn more and more in the I am yours, Jesus, rather than Jesus is mine. But not always, huh? Sometimes I need, I need Jesus. I need Jesus. 
But I come again, how many times I turn to the one who loves. Not counting the times, I'm counting on the one who loves. Other-oriented, for the unmerited, self-sacrificial, the man in the middle, powerful in powerlessness, seeking out with relentlessness, and by stepping into our reality and giving up your majesty, you never more clearly showed your heart and just how poured out love thou art. So the shape of love on the next slide can be like that, can be like that, but is more powerful like that. Okay, speed of love, looking at the watch. Speed of Love. Um, so there's a book. I don't encourage you to buy this book. It's quite a, a heavy read, but it's basically a series of essays that was written in the 70s by a, a chap called Kozuki Koyama. And he refers to this three-mile-an-hour God. The speed of love, as we saw from, uh, from Jesus walking around in the ancient Near East, was three miles. He walked everywhere. He walked into people's lives. He encountered people where they were at and led them forward, whether that be the Samaritan women, breaking down boundaries there, whether that be uh, Nicodemus, where he was, whether that be tax collectors, that be people in need of healing. He met them where they were at. He walks into our lives. And maybe, just maybe, God is walking again into our lives uh, this morning. Maybe for the first time, God is walking into your life. But it's at the speed of love. This speed that is as fast as you will go. God will be patient. God will be kind. God will wait for you to take you, uh, take you on the journey, take you on the journey of, of transforming your life. So the speed of love, if we go to the next slide, we see it. I'm not going to read it in any detail. You'll be saying, thank you very much. We're not going to go into each of these passages, but we see f- these four people in the, in the Gospels have encountered the resurrected Jesus. And in meeting them where they're at, we see that Mary's grief at the tomb is turned into joy. We see Thomas's unbelief as he wants to touch Jesus' wounds are turned to faith. We see shame from Peter at the denial is turned to wholeness and reinstatement and a leadership position as Jesus asks him if he loves him three times, and then, uh, you know, he, uh, he says, feed my sheep. And then he says, follow me. And then we have uh, the road to Emmaus, so Cleopas on the road to Emmaus in Luke 24, who meets the resurrected Jesus, doesn't know it, and expresses his confusion at the events of the day, and that is transformed by Jesus' explanations into the good news and realization that the cross is not the end. The cross is not the end. I thought I would get an amen at that, but I have to say, I thought I would get an amen. The cross is not the end. 
But it is the, uh, is the call of love. It is the shape of love. Through Jesus, we have the speed of love who will uh, wait for you. But then we have the call of love. So the next slide, please. The call of love is God meets us where we are at. This is true for me. Probably true for you too. Meets us where we are, but wants to move us to where he is going. We are called to get dusty, as we see on the next slide. As Peter heard from the resurrected Jesus, after saying this, he said to him, follow me. So after reinstating uh, Peter, after saying, feed my sheep, it's follow me. It's get dusty, again, follow me. So we heard follow me quite a lot at the beginning of the Gospel of John as he called individual disciples. But the resurrected Jesus is still calling us today to be transformed, to be uh, followers of the way, followers of his way, and following him to get dusty. I want to skip forward uh, two slides as we, uh, as we begin to wrap up. I don't know if the, the worship team can start to, to come as well, please. Speaking of the worship team, this quote is from, uh, from a song, actually, by uh, United Pursuit. And it's really the call of love that's been, uh, so this song's been in my head for, for a while now. But this divinely beautiful Jesus, he came into my world. He came into the world, yes, 2,000 years ago. But as a nine-year-old and as a 23, 24-year-old, he came into my life, came into my world, and lifted my head. Like Peter, no shame, shame gone. And he's asking for my heart to follow. So not just stay here, but have this transformed as I, uh, as I plug in with my, uh, my house group, as I plug in with this church, as I plug in in prayer, as I plug in uh, to what I see God doing around me uh, and asking me to participate in. The question is, will I show up? Will you show up to what God's doing? God's always on the move. The question is, will we join in with what God is doing? So divinely beautiful, you came into my world. You are the lifter of my head. And now my heart will follow.